Okay, so tonight we're going to be discussing Osei from Sefer Rishmilin from Rav Kook. And like we said last week towards the end of this year, Ostalit and Osei are not two separate shlavim in the process of Ishtalshalis and the Seder of Hashem manifesting himself in creation. Rather, they're two aspects of the same process. So as we said, the Dalid is going to transition into the hay, and the hay is just a different type of manifestation of the Dalit, as we'll see. But before we get into Oshe from Rav Kook, which is a, a relatively short piece, um, it's a difficult piece, but it's a shorter piece, shorter than the Dalit, shorter than Gimel, Beis, and Aleph as well. But there are a couple of introductions that are necessary, um, some introductions that we left off from last week, and some introductions that are going to be new, some haktamot that are going to be new in order for us to properly understand what Rav Kook is trying to do when it comes to the Osei. Now, obviously, Osei is going to be a significant letter in any case because, number one, it's a letter along with Yud and Vav that make up the shame of Hashem, Shem Yud Ke Vav Ke. Secondly, Chazal already understood the importance of the hay with regards to the creation of this world. Behivaram, when Avram Avinu was to get the hay added to his name, it was representative of the fact that now HaKadosh Baruch Hu had the ability to create the world. And we're told that Olam Haba is created with the Oz Yud and Olam Haza is created with the Oz Hay. We're told that just like this world has Pesachim, just like this world has places that we can fall out of, and we can also enter back into Kedusha. So Tutahay has openings on the bottom and openings on the top. So there's a certain association, a certain corollary between the Oshei and this worldliness in particular, Oilam Hazeh, the lower realms of being. So in order to properly understand what Rav Kook wants to do with Oshei, we do have to delve slightly into the general makeup of the world that the Arizal depicts in his writings through his student Rav Chaim Vital as well as others. And that is, last week when we discussed Osdalid, we were talking about Malchus. We were talking about how Hashem has now at this point, Kaviachal decided to set up and prepare the quantity and the quality of this worldliness to create the vessels, the proper space, the makom, in which this world and all the Kedusha that will be found in it can actually take root. And while associating the number four and Dalid with all of the aspects of existence, the four Yesodos, the, the four general qualities of being, the four seasons, the four directions. What we did not speak about is the fact that for the Arizal and Seder Heshtalshlis and the unfolding of the worlds, there are four worlds. Now, meaning to say, after the Kayachagvul is revealed at Nos Aleph, and after the initial Tsimsum and Chalal Hapanui are created with Os Beis, and after there is a Yerida and a Shvira for the sake of rebuilding in Os Gimel, and after there is a finally setting up of the space and the Makom and the, the geographic and the geometric space in which the world will unfold in Ostalid, Oshei is going to come and build off of those. One of the qualities of four that we didn't discuss is the worlds that the Arizal discusses, which are Atsilus, Bria, Yitzira, and Asiya. Now, it's a familiar topic with a lot of people, but there's an important distinction to be made, that when the Arizal discusses these four worlds, these four interconnected, highly interconnected realms of being, there's a fundamental distinction between the world of Atsilus, which is going to be the main space where HaKadosh Baruch Hu operates vis-a-vis our 
conception of godliness in the world. Atzilus is a place where ihu v'chiihu v'garmayu chadvahon, like the Dikune Zohar says, and like the Alter Rebbe and the Admor Hazaken makes a very important, significant detail out of in his Igros Kodesh, Igros Ches, uh, Chaf. But the Olam HaVatzilis is the world Eitzel. It's the world close to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. It's where Hashem still remains in his supernal form, in his rarefied form, before it manifests into the realm of human understanding. After the Shvira Takhelim, after this cataclysmic, traumatic breakage of Olam HaAtzilis, which obviously we're not going to get into right now. We'll discuss a lot more about it when we get to letters Zion and Ches. But Shavir Sakhalim was not, God forbid, a mistake or a, a trauma that happened happenstancely, but rather it was a, a premeditated trauma for the sake of creating a world that was fertile for human growth and Bechira. But nevertheless, after the world of Atzilis breaks, we find three worlds of separation, or what is described as Olamos de Pirud, the worlds of separation and distinction that come into being after Atsilas. And those worlds are going to be referred to as Bria, Yitzira, and Asiya. Now, the world of Bria is the world of creation, the world of Yitzira is the world of formation, and the world of Asiya is the world of creation or this worldliness. But nevertheless, for our sake, we can look in line with Rav Dessler, and Rav Futner, and the different Lithuanian Bale Machshava, so to speak, who interpreted Luriana Kabbalah in more of a Machshava or philosophical type of way. These worlds can really be understood as three perspectives that we have of our existence and our conception of reality. Now, Bria is a world that the Arizal describes for us, which is Rubo, Tov, and Miutora. It's mainly good. It's mainly clarified. It's mainly explicitly associated with Kedusha, although there is still a slight space in it where there could be separateness. Olam HaYetzira is going to be Chatsi Tov and Chatsi Ra, like the Eitz Hadas Tov Ra, the Tikkun Zohar, and the Hakdam of Rav Chaim Bital to Eitz Chaim discusses at length how Torah is rooted in the Olam HaYetzira because there's Mutter and Asr, there's Kosher and uh, there's Kosher and Pasul. There's different ways of donning on something. It's a suffix as to which way it is. And then we have the Olam HaAsiya, which we're told is Rubara Umiyutotov, that most of Olam HaAsiya, as we see nowadays, is mainly negative, although there is the capacity for there to be good in it. Now, these four worlds represented by the Ostalid, which are all HaKadosh Baruch Hu's way of manifesting in creation, that's the space where we interact with Hashem. Our job as the Jewish people, as the harbingers of Messiah, as, as the people who can bring redemption to the world, our job is to operate within the fallen worlds of Bria, Yetzira, and Asiya, the worlds of separation, and to reveal, so to speak, that Kedusha can be found in there as well, that even in limitation and even in concealment, we have the ability to draw down the light of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, or better, reveal and disclose the light of HaKadosh Baruch Hu that was there beforehand. But as we said in Ostalid, what we experienced was the setting up of Malchus. Malchus is the way, the interface that HaKadosh Baruch Hu has set up for creation and for the Jewish people through which we can interact with God. We have no association with anything other than Malchus, as the Haktama to the Zohar describes at length and the Mukumbalim describe at length. Kuliamalopligi, whatever 
the Mekubalim argue about with regards to how high we're allowed to speak of, whether we're allowed to talk on the level of Bina, whether we're allowed to talk on the level of Keser, of desire or understanding, Kuliamalopligi, that we're allowed to speak on the level of Malchus. So that is the Makom, that is the Nakuda where no Mekubal kind of disagrees with one another, and it's the place of Biror in Torah Sasod, where we have the ability to discuss and understand HaKadosh Baruch Hu when it comes to Malchus. Dalid was the setup of Malchus. Hey is going to be the doubling of Malchus. Hey is going to be the aspect of Malchus that descends into our world. It's going to be what we refer to as the Shina. It's going to be Hashem's presence in this world. It's going to be the presence of Hashem, the feminine presence, if you will, or the concealed presence of HaKadosh Baruch Hu within the worlds of separation, within the worlds of concealment. And as we're going to see at length from Rav Kook, the Oshei represents the outgrowth of the Ostalid. It is what happens when Ostalid leaves the realm of Atsilas, leaves the realm of where everything is clear and purified and there's no distortion, and descends into the nether realms of being and descends into the place of human activity and allows itself, so to speak, to be exiled, to enliven and give hope and give chius and give chizik to the Jewish people and to existence as it stands in the world of separation. Now, Rav Kook is here going to be drawing on numerous Makoros in, in Sisrei Torah and the history of Kabbalah. Um, hold on one second, guys. I'm going to be right back. Hi, I'm sorry about that. So what Rav Kook is going to be discussing with regards to Osei is going to be the presence of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the Shechina's presence in the worlds of separation. Now by Osdalid, all we had was Hashem setting up and preparing existence, preparing the levels through which he was going to reveal himself. By Oshei, what we have is Hashem deciding that the worlds of separation, as they stand alone, will be incapable of disclosing or revealing godliness in the world and incapable of carrying out their predetermined job, which is revealing the added level of Kedusha that takes place when limit is shown to be unlimited at its root. And so the worlds of limitation, and in particular the lower realms of being, which we discussed at length, which is the Dira B'tachtonim, in particularly, that space needs to have a presence of HaKadosh Baruch Hu in order that human beings and history and existence can actually continue to carry out its purpose without descending into the realm of negativity, into Chitzonius and into Klipa. So the Oshei represents the Shechina. The Shechina is the presence, again, of Hashem in the worlds of separation. Now, the Shechina is not explicitly revealed. We see throughout countless sources that the Shechina operates under a certain level of exilic existence, that the Shechinta is begalusa, and the Shechina joins the Jewish people, and it joins the tzaddikim, and it joins the neshamos of each and every individual through their own particular journeys through the world of separation, from birth until death, with all of the ups and the downs and the vicissitudes of existence. The Shechina is ever-present yet concealed, revealed in its concealment on a certain level to each individual, to each particular group of people, and to each historical moment. The Oshei is this delicate letter where Hashem allows an aspect of Malchus 
in its Kedusha to descend into the worlds of separation, to descend into places of exile, into the Makam of the Chitzonim, in order to enliven them from within on a certain gullus for the sake of redemption. Now, the Shechina has to kavyachol be moser nafsha to be ordered into the worlds of Bria, Yisira, and Asiya. Because again, klape, the world of Atsilus, in relationship to the world of Atsilus, the worlds of Bria, Yisira, and Asiya are considered areas of death, areas of separation, areas of concealment, areas of doubt, areas of suffering. But the Shechina Kavyachal decides or makes the decision to be Mamayed itself, like the Levana was Mamayed itself, and descend into the nether realms in order so that the Jewish people and history at large have the capability of carrying out the task of creation, which is again to reveal the Tosefes Kishut, which we've spoken about in the past, to reveal this additional adornment of Kedusha, which takes place when that which goes against Kedusha is shown to be Kedusha itself, when the enemy itself is transformed into the Karov, into the thing itself that reveals the Kedusha. Now, in order to properly understand what Rav Kook is going to say, because Rav Kook is incredibly terse in Osei, we're going to actually have to look towards the Leshem Shabbat Achaloma. Um, again, I'm not claiming here that Rav Kook was explicitly drawing on these teachings from the Leshem, at least in this particular spot. Unlike what I claimed in Os Aleph, I believe that Rav Kook was deeply indebted to the Leshem for a number of these ideas. But nevertheless, these are ideas that are explicit throughout most Mikubalim, throughout the Zohar, throughout its Chaim. But the Leshem had a unique capacity to write extensively while at the same point maintain an exacting nature in his writings. The Leshem wrote more than any other Makubal in our generations, aside from maybe the Balasulam, but nevertheless, the Leshem, in all of his meandering and all of the extensive textuality that he engages in, still has the capacity of maintaining the essential point. And this is coming from Drushe Olam Hatohu Chelak Beis, or Sefer Adeya Chelak Beis, and there's a number of Drushim in the back which is, and one of the Jerushim is called Jerush Miyatayareach. And again, the Areach and the Levana, the feminine aspect of divinity, Kavyachol, the presence of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, which has the capacity to disclose itself in a passive way, non-active, non-revealed, like the feminine quality of waiting and anticipation and acceptance and receptivity and all of the different things we associate with it. As we know, the Levana is Makaba from the Shemesh. The Levana is Leis Lamagar Meklum, like the Malchus of Dalit that we discussed in the the same qualities are going to apply to the Shekhinah as well. So the Leshem writes as follows, and again, this is really going to help us in understanding what Rav Kook has to say. He says, And the aspect is, That God, may his name be blessed, has arranged it. The diminution of the moon, which represents the Yerida of Malchus into the worlds of Bria Yitzir and Asiya, the descent of the Shechina into the worlds of separation. That she should descend below. So that she should engage and partner up with all of limited existence, with everything that is limited. To connect everything into herself. Solely for the sake of elevating everything afterwards, back upwards to the realms of infinity through her actions. 
And this is what we discussed last week, the root of Malchus, which again is this lower aspect, the Shekhinah that hides within limitation, the Shekhinah that hides within suffering, that hides within darkness. This Shekhinah, this Malchus, in truth, she is above and transcendent beyond all other spheros. Like we said last week from the Arizal in Shar Yud Aleph by Shar Atik, that the original 10 spheros didn't have a Malchus because Malchus itself was rooted in Kesser, was rooted in the Reisha Delo Isida, the unknowable head. Because the root of Malchus is above them all. And she ascends above all of them. The despised rock, the despised Evan, which represents Malchus, which descended below, like David Malcha Mashiach, who was the Shoresh of Malchus, in fact is rooted above everything. Because Malchus, Kavyachal, is rooted in the Malchus of Ein Sof, which again is something that would demand a lot of introduction, but for the purposes of a source, if somebody wants to look at Shar Membeis, one of the most important Sharim in Eitz Chaim, that's where the Arizal comes on to this idea of Malchus de Ein Sof, Asher Bana Asahat Simsum Harishon, which is where HaKadosh Baruch Hu Kavyachol decided for the first time to create this limitation and to create a world of limitation. And the Leshem continues, and I'm skipping a little bit of the practicalities here. And all of this is one and the same with the secret of the diminution of the moon. The descent of Malchus, Asher Yoredes, Me Madregasa Le Madrega, where she descends from one level to the next, Meha Malchus De Ein Sof, Ad Sofa Ad Silus, from the Malchus of Ein Sof, from the first instantiation of Malchus, the first instantiation of receptivity and concealment for the sake of Bechira and for the sake of human beings having the ability to act on their own volition and to intensify their relationship with Kedusha all the way down to the Vadavatilas, which is again one of the four worlds, at least the supernal of the four worlds. This descent of the Shrina into the world of Atsilus is not considered a Pagam. And therefore it's written, Lo like the Pasuk says in Tehillim that no evil shall attach itself to it. However, Aval Al Kolpanim, Al Kolpanim, this is the secret, Ubisod Kolmakam Shagalu all the places that Bnei Yisrael were exiled, Shechina imahem, the Shechina is with them. Aval al kolpanim, nevertheless, hu kishayresh inyun, hamiyatayareach, the root of the inyun, of the diminution of the moon, hinehugam lamala lamala, it takes place in the original recesses of being itself. V'chol yiridasa bevia, and all of its descent and diminution into the realm of Bria, Yitzir, and Asiya. So here the Leshem is coming on to the most important part, which is going to help us understand what Rav Kook is trying to say. The entire purpose of the descent of the Shechina, of this second aspect of Malchus, of the Oshei that comes from the Osdalid, that Yeridasa Beviya besod HaMeor HaKatan, the small luminary, which is the fundamental nature of the diminution of the moon, the purpose of this is because everything in truth is from her. 
Ulachen eina ozeves osam veina manachas osam af rega achas. Everything comes from the Malchus de Atzilus, and therefore the Ostal that allows itself to descend into the worlds of separation. Why? Because everything comes from her, and we are her children, Kavyachol. So therefore, she does not leave them. Eina ozeves osam, veina manachas osam, and she does not leave them aside af rega achas, even for one particular moment. Ella sheyoredes bechol yiridasam. She descends in all of their dissensions. The sovelet kol talusehem. And she suffers all of their suffering, and all of their pigamim and all of their pain, and for this purpose, the Shechina, the Oshei, is described as Ayala Tashachar Al Shem Kadrusa Desafra, with regards to the name rooted in the name of the darkness of the morning, the Chavalimla Piyolda, the pain that is applied to her as if it was giving birth. Kimohara Takriv Laledes, like a pregnant woman who is prepared to give birth, Kimo Tachil Titzak Bechavleha, that she screams and she cries in her pain, Behitamid Kitayal Ta'arog, and she is perpetually like a doe that is pining, Lahaalos Osa, to arise and elevate existence. The Esbaneha and her children and the Jewish people who live in this world of limitation and concealment, Asher Bishvilam Yarda, for whose purpose she descended. So, what the Leshem is describing here, and again, here he's doing a drash on it, but this is something that's clear in the Leshem throughout. What the Leshem is describing here is the descent of the Shechina into exile for the sake of elevating existence. Because the Oshei, like we've been describing, is the manifestation of the Ostalid, but in the realms of limitation. Here already by the Osei, Rav Kook is describing in the name of Chazal that this world was created with Osei, that this worldliness and all of its concealment is the manifestation of the Osei. And therefore we need the Shechina, we need this Nekuda of Chiyas, we need this Nekuda of Kedusha, of Ruchnius, of Elokus within the world to allow us to continue to do our part. And with that introduction, we're now able to kind of look at what Rav Kook is saying with regards to the Osei and have a, a slight understanding. Rav Kook says as follows, Now the images, the notion of the world, the notion of existence is now prepared after its initial limitation. Now for Rav Kook, this initial limitation are the processes that we've gone through from Os Aleph to Os Beis to Os Gimel and Os Dalid. All of the processes of the Koyach and the Tzimtzum and the Yerida L'Tzara Chaliyah, as well as the setting up of the Malchus in its quantity and its quality by Os Dalid, all of that is to prepare us and allow us to come and now have access to the Tziurim. The Tziurim for Rav Kuk are the way that HaKadosh Baruch Hu reveals himself to us in this world. Shehem re'uyim lihiyot moshtim lanu kfar l'poyal bahem alehem v'imahem. That they are already prepared and handed over to us so that we can engage in them, on them, and with them. Now, it's difficult to understand what Rav Kook means when he uses these three Lashonos of Bahem, Alehem, Ve'imahem, but it could mean a number of things. For our sake, I think I'm going to try and read it as discussing the three different worlds of separation of Bahem being the world of Bria, Alehem being the world of Yitzira, and Imahem being the world of Asiya, where we engage with Kedusha and we engage with this worldliness in the most severe form. Torah lanu ha 
Halachem Zara. The Oshe, says Rav Kook, describes for us the act of Hashem giving over something to us, handing something to us, something already prepared. Like the Pasuk says, Halachem Zara. Here it is for you that the Oshe, when spelled out He Aleph, actually means Ha, take this. It is prepared for you. So what the Oshe is coming to show us is that the tzurim and the worlds and limitation and all of existence as it applies to the individual as well as the collective is now prepared to be given over to us. Koyach poyel mefurad. Koyach padul bilti mechuber ba'atzmiyusam shalatochnem hamugvalim ba'umitztarif alehem. So when we look at the Osahei, what we recognize is that it's simply an Osdalid that has a small point within it. Because again, like we discussed, and this is rooted in the Sefer Yetzirah in Parakalad, and Rabbi Nachman brings this down in Torah Memtes and Lekutim Maharan, as the Sefer Yetzirah says, it says that Hey, the Oshei, Dalid Hos. It's really the Osdalid, the Kadmisa, in its beginning. But when HaKadosh Baruch Hu reveals himself into the Oshei, into the Osdalit and applies a Vav to it, it becomes an Oshei. So already we're seeing that the Osdalit eventually allows us to reach the Oshei. But the Osdalit alone is the world of quantity and quality, is the world as it is set up, devoid of spirituality. The Osei is when that world of quantity and quality is endowed with the Nakuda Katana, with the Yud or the Vav inside of it. And that Yud or the Vav inside of it is the Shekhinah that HaKadosh Baruch Hu allows us to experience and engage with in this world. So if Cook says as follows, he says that, Koyach Badum Mufurad, an active source that is separate, a lonely, disconnected essence that is not connected Again, the Shechina is not inherently connected to the worlds of limitation. God forbid that would run the risk of delving into what we would call pantheism or associating metzias or associating existence with divinity itself. Now, we're not going to get into the discussion of how the Balatanya or how Chabad Hasidus or Hasidus B'der Klal would argue this point, because there is a point to argue with regards to how deeply can the worlds of separation be endowed with divinity. But for our sake, we're going to be looking right now at Rav Kook at least according to his tradition of the Vilnagon's Mahalach, which is that the Shechina, divinity being Mishtatef in the worlds of separation, is not an essential identity, meaning to say that we cannot look at this worldliness and say, oh, the Shechina is present in all physical matter. God forbid that runs the risk of endowing nature with its own divine essence, which would be tantamount to pantheism and equating this world with godliness, something that would be nearly tantamount to Kvira or Avodazara at, at best. But Rav Kook here is saying that the Yud within the Dalid that makes up the hay is bilti hamugvalim. It's not associated and inherently connected to every aspect of limitation, but it comes ba alayim. It comes and connects itself to them. And in this connection that the Shekhinah makes with the worlds of limitation, the preparatory action takes place. Now, 
what Rav Kook is saying here is something profound, that the entrance of the Shekhinah, the entrance of Kedusha and Ruchnius into the worlds of limitation does not fulfill the purpose of existence. What it fulfills, according to Rav Kook, is ha-pu'ula ha-hachanit na'asit. The preparatory action is, is fulfilled. Because the Iker, the Iker Avoda, as we've seen already from the Os Aleph, is to endow human beings, is to endow limited creatures in this world with the Koyach HaEloki of Bechira, with the divine act of Bechira, for us to be able to choose through our own volition to choose Kedusha and dispel Tuma and dispel Rishis. Now, it would not fulfill the desire, the infinite desire of Kad Salik that Kavyachal arose within the infinite before the creation of the world. That desire would not be fulfilled if Hashem just brought divinity into this world and revealed this world to be holy as well. What Hashem wants is a world of concealment to be enlightened and inflamed through human action. Human action demands that there be the capacity of choosing the wrong thing, like we said by the Os Beis. That Beis already implies two, Tov and Ra, Bechira. This is already taking place by the instantiation of the Tzimtzum itself. But here of Cook is being very clear, where he says that the entrance of the Shina and Kedusha into this worldliness is not the fulfillment of the historical task, but rather it is simply the Pu'ula HaChanit asit. It's the preparatory action which sets the stage for human action to fulfill the divine process of history. That once the Shekhinah finds itself concealed and exiled within this world, we now have the capacity to be bocher and to reveal it. That is the job of the Jewish person in this world, to reveal and understand that in our tsar, there's the tsar of the Shekhinah. Like Rabbi Nachman says in so many places that when a person feels a chisar and when a person feels a lack, for example, one of the ways of coming to terms with this lack or this desire is to recognize that all I am experiencing right now is a certain lack, a certain saron within the Shekhinah itself, within the presence of divinity in this world. And my pain is the pain of godliness, Kaviachol. Like Chazal tell us that when Bnei Yisrael are hurting, what does the Shekhinah say? What does God say? He says, it hurts from my hand, it hurts from my head, which are the makomos of the tefillin. Because the actions of the Jewish people and the actions of the Shekhinah are inherently interconnected and one feels the other. But it's our job to fulfill the process. And all Hashem prepares for us is the pu'ula ha'achanit. Ha'koyach ha'powel, says Ravko, kareihu ha'basis ha'omed b'smola shalach pu'ula. Lo esamakom ha'atzmiyuti ha'yemini hu'tofes, ki ela esamakom ha'mekri ha'tsurati b'muven tsurat ha'prat. And here again, it's getting difficult to truly understand the exacting words of Rav Kook. Unlike other svarim of Rav Kook, where the writing is less exact, and it's the job of the reader to be caught up in the swell of the emotion that Rav Kook conveys in his writings, where a person begins to daven the words, by Reshmi Lin, the exacting nature of the words is that if you read one of the words in the wrong tense, you lose the essence of what the paragraph is coming to say. So we're rushing here a little bit, but what Rav Cook is coming to say is that, so here we have this Yud, which attaches itself to the Dalid to make the hay, which represents the descent of an aspect of Malchus, the descent of the Shina, of Kedusha, of the presence of godliness into the worlds of separation. This Yud, this setup, this preparation of Kedusha within all recesses of limitation rests at the left side. 
it does not occupy the main and fundamental makom ikari of the right side. The yamin typically represents the ikariyut of something, the essential nature of something, the chesed of something. That is the dalit on the right side. The yud, the shechina, occupies only the left side, the smola shal ha the left, limited, inessential part of the action. With regards in conception of the tsura of that prat. Now what Rav Kook is trying to say here is as follows, that if the main avoda, if the main purpose of setting up this seder ha'ishtalshlus and moving from os aleph to os beis to os gimel to os dalid, and finally in our teachings right now to os hey, the purpose is bechira. And therefore, the presence of divinity, the shechina, the presence of godliness, cannot occupy the fundamental space of the right side. Because if it occupied the fundamental space of the right side, well, then the entire notion of Bechira would be Mavuto. Because if the shechina was revealed in its fullness, and if it was revealed to be the lofty level of divinity that can descend into the lower realms to the point that it nullifies all Bechira and all Hester, so then there would be no room for Bechira. So the Shechina has to be patient and sovel and mitzire itself to stand on the left side, to conceal itself, to hide herself within the process of history, to sit by the side watching B'nai Israel suffer, watching the world suffer, Hashem concealing himself, concealing himself for the sake that the Jewish people and the world at large can engage in a process of Bechira. So here Rav Kook is saying something very important. He's saying that the Shechina, the presence of divinity in the world of Bri Yitzir and Asiya, and mainly in this worldliness and the limited and lowest levels of Asiya, needs to occupy solely the left side, which is again why Shechina is associated with femininity, with Gevurot, with Dinim, which are typically associated with the constrictive act of the left side vis-a-vis the right side. Ruf Kook continues. He says, The Shechina, God forbid, is not contained or limited within the content of the images themselves. It stands separate and apart from them, yet engaging within them. Now, I want to repeat the sentence because of how beautiful it is and because of how fundamental it is in terms of our understanding how Rav Kook is viewing the presence of divinity in this world of separation. It cannot easily be aligned with any shita, bain hatsimsam kipshuto of the Vilnagon or hatsimsam shalav kipshuto of the Balsham Tov He says as follows, he says again, ki omid hu menutak mehem, divinity stands separate and apart from existence, Upoel Bakirbam and engaging within them so that paradoxically somehow it is not existence, the Shina is not existence, but at the same time it is engaged and driving and influencing every aspect of existence. Hukoel Bakirbo Surot Shonot. It contains within itself differing and varying shapes. The Pa'amim Hatsura Haikutita Misparit, Ula Pa'amim Hatsura Hakavita Kamutit. Tavnit havav o tavnit hayud roshem hamedida o hamespar hanichlal betoch hatsura hahayit lahashlima ulashachla. So Rav Kook here is coming on to the actual technicalities of the Osei, which is that this small nekuda, this small part of the Shechina, of Kedusha, which enlivens the worlds of separation, which gives life to the Dalid, 
it can either be a yud or it can be a vav. And that's halachically speaking in terms of writing out the oshei. When it's a yud, Rav Kook says, and this is a proper time to make this introduction, which we're going to see throughout the next letters, that yud for Rav Kook represents the nekuda ha'ikutita misfarit, this dimensionless quantity, the purified ideal level of quantity in its purified mathematical form that represents the capacity of HaKadosh Baruch Hu to be present in one specific space. On one level, the Shekhinah is static. It's found in Makomos HaMekudashim, Makazatelas, by the Kotel, by Bate Medrashos, by Bate Knisios, by the Tzadikim in Yerushalayim and the Asara levels of Kedusha. So on the one hand, the Shekhinah can be identified as a Yud that stands in the middle of the Dalit. Yud is a static point, it's a condensed point that doesn't move. On the other hand, the Shina can be identified, this aspect that descends into the worlds of limitation can be identified with the Osvav. Osvav, as opposed to the Osyud, is a letter of connectivity, it's a Hamshacha, it represents connection and growth and the interconnectivity between levels, as we're going to see at length next week, Be'ezra Sashem, when we get to the letter of Vav. The Shekhinah can manifest in these two different ways. It can manifest as a static ideal that is unchanging, or it can manifest within each and in every individual's many-fold processes wherever they find themselves. Chazal have different Lashonos in different places. On the one hand, the Shekhinah is not Zaz from the Kotal Ma'aravi. On the one hand, the Shekhinah never leaves like the Osyud, which is a static and, and constant point. On the other hand, it's like an Osvav, which is a letter of Hamshacha, which represents movement and process and changing and time changes and, and things like that. So what Rav Kook is describing here is that the presence of the Shekhinah in this world the presence of divinity in this world, which allows us to maintain ourselves on a certain level of Kedusha and to believe in spite of all the Hester and the Hester B'Toycha Hester, that the Shrina is Mesateres Atzma, that you are a concealed God, like we sing by Samira Sanchala Shuddhis. This notion of the capacity to recognize the concealment of God is associated with the Oshei, is associated with the level of Shrinta Begalusa, that it's the Yur that HaKadosh Baruch Hu used to create the world. And Rav Kook adds and ends as follows, Lahashlima Ulishkalala that the entire purpose of the descent of the Shekhinah into the worlds of limitation, into the worlds of Bri Yitzir and Asiya, into the worlds of concealment, into the world of the Dalit, where we already set up the quantification and the qualification of this worldliness as it stands separate and apart from the infinite light of godliness. The entire purpose is lahashlima ulishklala, that the entire purpose of this descent is for the sake of elevating everything back up to Kedusha like we saw from the Leshem before. That the entire purpose of the descent is to engage in an eventual intensification of an ascent. That there is no Yerida Muflekes for of Kuk and Avada for the Leshem, that everything is Tchiyas everything is going down, down, down for the purpose of going up, up, up that the descent of the Shekhinah into this world is for the purpose of revealing that this worldliness contains within itself the deepest level of divinity, that the Evan Masu Habanim, 
that the Shechina, which is yored into Metzias, into the state of exile, into the state of concealment, is in fact preparing us to elevate the world and to reveal the world in its Kedusha, in its holiness. So what we're coming on to now is the fact that there's two aspects of Malchus. There's the aspect of Dalid, which remains in its supernal quality by the Os Dalid, like we say every day, and Leshem points this out, Vishkinta Uzo Bigavimiramim, that it remains elevated in the transcendent heights of Kedusha. But at the same point, the Os He is the part of the Shkina which descends with us into the battlefield of daily life. And this Os He that descends at nighttime specifically, at times of darkness, at times of concealment, at times of he'elem, at times of hester, by tikkun chatzos, by nefilah sapayim, where the tzaddik is yored into the worlds of concealment. And the Arizal describes that it's almost like a person envisioning themselves, tossing themselves off of a lofty pier for the sake of being moser nafshem to kedusha Hashem, to reveal within the nether realms, to reveal within the worlds of limitation that here also there is kedusha, that halachem zara, here in front of you there is zara, there is Kedusha, there is life. Rabbi Nachman, Schusia Ganaleinu describes in Torah, Kuf Yud Aleph, I believe, in Lukutim Aharan, Chelek Aleph, in the Torah, Tzohar Ta'asa Teva, that he describes that the Oshe represents this entire notion, the entire notion that a Jewish person can fall away from Kedusha in their lifetime, can fall away from remembering that there is a Yud, that there is a Nekuda Katana that enlivens all existence, that gives birth to all Kedusha in existence. A person can fall out from the bottom of the hay, they can fall the, to the Mekomos HaMetunafos, to the Mekonos of Hester, to the point that they have to say, Ayei Mekom Kavodo, the Ma'amar Sosom that Rabbi Nachman describes in Tori Yud Aleph, in Lukutamar Antanyana, Ayei Mekom Kavodo. But at the same point, the Osei contains within itself entry points, it can contains within itself the ability for us to ascend again back into the materiality of being, back into the material nature of this worldliness with all of its vicissitudes and all of its violence and all of its pain and reveal that the Shekhinah is there with it. And the Baal Shem Tov HaKadosh tells us over and over, and this goes back to the initial teaching, that when a person recognizes that Alufa Shal Olam is there in his Tsar, that when a person recognizes that the Shekhinah is there in their presence, there are multiple ways for a person to mitak in themselves, to be mamtik the tsar. Rabbi Nachman describes in various Torahs that when a person, when a Jewish individual is feeling any type of pain on a certain psychological level, what they should say to themselves is that if I am feeling this pain, God is feeling this pain, so to speak. And if God is feeling this pain, he's conveying that pain to me. And how wondrous, how glorious a revelation, how lofty level for Hashem kavyachol, for the Shechina Kavyachol to tell me its secrets, to tell me what hurts, to show me its pain so that I can empathize and sympathize with the Shechina. And that when I recognize that Alufa Shal Olam is Nimsa Betoicha Hastara Shabetoicha Hastara, then I recognize that Grof Kook says that everything for, is for the purpose of Lahashlima Ulishklala, to elevate and to perfect this worldliness that remains dormant, that remains concealed and distant from godliness, yet stands to reveal a deeper level of godliness. What we're going to see next week with the Osvav is that the Osvav is going to represent Kuchabrihu, the Bechina of Yesod, the Hamshacha that we bring into this world. Now that we've created a world with the Oshei, now that we've created limitation, it's now our job to be Mamshech, 
to connect the Vave Ha'amudim, the connectivity of the Osvav, and to be Mahapech, what seems to be a distant reality, into a place of Kedusha.